Today's episode is sponsored by Awesome Labs. For everything you need to build your own online store, do the smart thing. Visit beawesome.co.za. Awesome Labs, the web is chemistry. You're listening to Big Shot Business Podcast. The what, the why, and the how of building and running a successful business on the African continent. Here's your host, Linkford Biz. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Big Shot Business Podcast. I'm your host, Linkford Biz. Today, I've got quite an interesting one, as usual. We've got a number of things that are happening on the continent. Of course, the coronavirus pandemic is still pressing on many businesses, and some countries are still in lockdown, but... As entrepreneurs, we are always here to solve issues. Any problem there is, entrepreneurs are the solution to that because we are the solution people. But today I have a guest with me and she's going to be telling us her entrepreneurial journey um, and uh, some of the businesses that she has started and some of the projects she's working on currently. So without further ado, let me give her the opportunity to introduce herself and then we can get started. Do me welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lingford, for inviting me to the Big Shot Business Broadcast. I am quite honored. All right, so basically, my name is Itumeleng Moachi, but uh, professionally, mostly known as Tumi Moachi, and I am a South, I'm South African, born, bred, and uh, started my career in South Africa, but then I uh, went to Ghana um, over the past four years to run my uh, fintech startup that side, um, and what we do, we give... Uh, small business loans to SMEs. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Why Ghana though? Oh, okay. So huh, that, that now takes me back to, <laughs> to my, uh-huh. um, I would say entrepreneurial journey, okay? Uh, or my uh, enthusiast, enthusiasm in technology. So I, like I said, I was born, raised, educated and started my career in South Africa. But, um, so I started in the communications industry, media analysis, where we I was working with the most, uh, like one of the biggest media monitoring companies in, in, in the country. And then they liquidated. So after they liquidated, we then, um, my friend and I then started um, our own media monitoring company, which we ran for five years. And it was really nice. I liked it. That was my first business. That was like my first, you know, uh, hands-on experience with, wow running a business, directly communicating with customers and so forth. So that was as as exciting as that was. And I was quite young. So as exciting as that was, I just felt like um, my business was outgrowing me. And I, there was more I needed to learn. You know, um, my customers were still happy. They were still with us, but I felt like we're not moving fast enough. Our services, because of social media, was also just being introduced. It felt like... Um, I was unable to serve my customers as fast as what social media is able to do. But I didn't really know what do we, what does one do, you know, uh, with such a problem. Then um, I um, decided then that I need to go and learn and not to go back to school, but rather let me go and learn from my competitors. So I worked for my competitor for a year. That's where I got a bit of exposure into um into data analysis, into design thinking, into uh, project management. And um, beyond that, I was like, okay, well, uh, let me see what is available in the tech space. I didn't even know there was a, a tech 
ecosystem. I just, all I needed, all I knew was I want to do something in the developer, whatever developers do, I want to see and feel and know what they do. I then applied for a program at MEST. Uh, that's the Meltwater Entrepreneurial School of Technology in Ghana. And I actually ran, uh, I, I ran through it, uh, uh, an, ad with, an ad on Radio 702. So I just went to their website, I applied, took a couple of interviews, very intensive but uh, made it and that is where that is why it happened that I, I, I started the business in Ghana basically after the MEST program we started because what the MEST program does it actually um, puts you into on uh, into you know the ground you do extensive research uh, of the, um, the African landscape and at that time because I was in Ghana I was doing more research about the Ghanaian uh, SME landscape mm. and that is how the idea came about and that's why we rolled out in Ghana. There wasn't really an invoice factoring um, uh, service right, available yeah. to the small, to the marginalized SMEs at that point. So that that's why we started there. All right. Oh, that's that's quite a fantastic journey. And uh, um, I also I also think you know f- from what your journey started like um, you were having to also go through training and having to learn from your competition. I think that also kind of gave you an idea perhaps of what the landscape is like. If you were to make a comparison of what it was like then and what it is now, given the level of development that has happened on the continent so far, what would you say have been your most, uh, like the biggest highlights? Okay, the biggest highlight and the biggest eye-opener for me was when I um, seeked for an opportunity to work for my employer, uh, my competitor, even though they knew that, you know, I, you know, I could potentially be a risk or something, but they were open to um, co-opetition, you know, they're open to collaboration and to, and it just made me realize that as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as um, enterprises, we are so scared and, and always looking over what the next company or what the competitors doing that we we forget to actually um, be confident in what we in on what in what our value proposition is and if my competitor was not confident in their value proposition they were not going to take me in because what if I take their business right but they actually trusted me enough and they they molded me the way I needed to be molded so that I can grow personally so that to me that was my biggest eye-opener as an entrepreneur, that is the same approach I take as well. I, I believe more in collaboration than competition. And I've also, uh, when you're looking at the, 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 the African uh, landscape now, we are able to move a bit further because of collaboration. Whereas before, everyone was just holding data um, and any other information and resources to their chest because we just, we all want to be the own, the you know, the, the trophy bearers, the only trophy bearers on the stage. But I think now we are so much more open to collaboration. It's, it's fantastic. And with the Africa free trade, that, that, that is actually proof of, you know, how open we are, how open we are. Yes. Well, that's, that's fantastic. You know, talking of the Africa free trade, I was actually gonna, uh, going to get to that a bit later on. Uh, I think it has also brought a level of integration on the continent, which we didn't have before. And um, um, with some of the protocols that they have put in place, like um, uh, the protocol on uh, trade and services, I think it has really opened up Africa to not only um, uh, 
maximize on the services that we can do on the continent entirely, but it also uh, opens up the market to people that had, let's say, services in one country, now they are able to provide those services in many other countries. And I think that would also be beneficial for Invoicia, a company that you you um, uh, working on, and uh, the service that you will be providing. I believe that there's there's cash flow cash flow strain almost everywhere, uh, and um, with a service like yours, it would probably be beneficial to all Africans. Is it something that you're going to be exploring as you're going into you know um, further 2021, 2022 going forward? Yes, definitely. Oh my word. Um, very interesting question. And especially when we're talking about, you know, integrations and collaboration, especially like when you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, what the Africa free trade actually means to the African market, what it means to the continent and the rest of the world out there. What this means for uh, a lender or, you know, or a fintech, it means that I'm not only now confined to Ghana, you know, I can now very easily help another business that is in Kenya or Nigeria. It, it doesn't, it not, it's not only Ghana and the ECOWAS, uh, and then there's the, the you know, the, the other parts of the continent, but we are all now integrated. So what it, so it, it, it really is a, uh, we're opening up doors to everyone. Uh, our plans for 2021 and 2022 is to increase, you know, the, our reach uh, to to uh, I would say our um, it's it's to increase the uh, our market reach, right? If I may put it that way, to ensure that we're not only um, financing um, the 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 Ghanaian startup, but that other other countries are benefiting. Right now, we're looking into Nigeria, where we're finalizing partnerships in Nigeria. We're finalizing partnerships in Kenya. And this is great. This is all because of technology. This is all because of one other entity uh, willing to collaborate with us. Do you understand? So um, it, it really, I think when it comes to the topic of collaboration and working together for a continent, it makes sense. It makes sense in terms of us growing quick, like, uh, like other uh, continents, like Asia and them it presents a, a huge opportunity and not just, I always talk about, uh, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really want to call it the domino effect of, of providing a good service, but uh, it, it basically works the same way in that you provide a good service to, to, to a business that really needs that service and in turn that business has been enabled to provide a service that their clients really need as well. And that's really how we, we build the economy on the African continent. And it's really, uh, amazing work that you guys are doing. And, um, if we can get a bit deeper into um, um, uh, Growth Factor, the, the company that um, uh, you work for, and just to get to understand the things you do there, uh, if you can tell our, our listeners uh, what exactly it is you do there. Okay, so at Growth Factor Technologies, we provide, uh, I would say, working capital loans to small businesses. And we started out with uh, invoice factoring. So what this means is the small businesses that would uh, typically supply 
goods and services to blue chip companies and are paid maybe 30, 60 or 90 days after delivery. In most cases, they run out of working capital because of these long payment terms. These receivables only come back after like only once a quarter. And that means that's the only time they get you to do business. So what we're saying to the, to the SME is go and deliver, bring the invoice to us, we will verify the invoice and ensure that you delivered the goods and you'll be getting your payment. We will then pay you immediately once, very, once this is verified so that you can go and procure other business, uh, other business deals while we wait for the large customer to pay us. So a payment cycle that normally would take an SME 90 days would take them two days. They would get paid in two days. And what that means is, within those two days, they're able to increase their, their revenues, they're able to increase their clients, you know, their client base as well, and reach other markets and increase, you know, um, actually grow as a business. Because you'd find that they would, they, they would say, oh, I actually even supplied again to that particular blue chip. So I have two invoices with them and we're able to finance them. And um, most importantly, we're able to also give them access to market because we, we also analyze the kind of services they serve and the type of customers there are on the market. And we are able to advise them on who the good and bad uh, payers are so that they, they are well guided in terms of procuring new business and how fast, you know, we were, because of uh, the data that we're collecting onto our platform, we're able to analyze market trends. So we know when demand is getting high for the SME to be able to prepare themselves. And if demand is getting high and you are, you've proven, you know, you've got a good track record with us, we're able to give, uh, to give you a, I would say a soft loan so that you're able to prepare for that particular uh, demand. So um, yeah, so in a nutshell, that's what we do at, at, at uh, Growth Factor Technologies. Wow, that's, that's fantastic, really. That's, it's, it's amazing. I think for, for most businesses, it's a service that at one point or another, they're going to need. And for some, perhaps even depend on, because generally across the world, smaller businesses uh, you know, they're, they're killed on the marketplace mostly because their invoices don't get paid in time or don't get paid at all. And uh, cash flow becomes uh, a huge problem, which ends up giving us statistics like eight out of 10 businesses fail, which I still don't believe happens on the continent. You know, <laughs> I, I, I still refuse that that statistic could be something on the continent because um, I don't know, I feel like most of that data is so biased towards the American markets that it skews the actual statistics on the continent. However, you, you guys have already built a platform that is showing you some of these data. And from your side, would you say that statistic is still true? Do really eight out of 10 businesses fail? And uh, on, on, uh, let, me, let me give this answer based on what we see on our platform, okay, the data that we have. We see exponential growth if the SME gets proper support. So the small business owner does not need money, if, does not have to get money if they don't need it. And what I mean by this is we don't want the small business owner to have, or any, any, in fact, anybody, we don't want to have people to have money in their hands not knowing what to do with it. So the, the one, one of the few things that may kill a business is having too much money you know, or um, 
undervalue new market. So on uh, looking looking at looking at our data, our customers are actually growing. They actually even it gets to a point where our customers are outgrowing us. And what I mean by this is they come to Invoicia uh, with uh, an an uh, an invoice of maybe five thousand dollars. And then they turn that around within three months, they now start bringing bigger invoices, 10,000, 20, it gets to your 50s and 60s. Now we are not a bank, right? So imagine when you have 10, 30 SMEs bringing in $60,000 worth of invoices on a monthly basis. We're not a bank, we don't have that kind of money. So what we do, we crowdfund, but even that is not enough. Right, so that becomes a problem for us. So we have not experienced um, business fail, uh, failure. You know, our our payback rate is ninety nine percent. You know, and that shows, and our growth, our our the SME growth rate is three hundred percent. They grow exponentially well, like within a short space of time. In six months, they can they can um, turn a receivable that was worth. $5,000 to 60 or $50,000, you know, depending on their market. So on our platform, this, with the support that we give, no, we haven't really been seeing that. With the right support, it depends also on the, the kind of markets that the research is looking at. Yeah, I've, 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 um, I've had conversation with so many business owners and they tell me about, okay, I started this business such and such a time ago. And they're still in business. And I keep asking myself, so where is this statistic? Where is this statistic? But then I realized it's the, those statistics, actually most of the data available on the internet today is mostly skewed towards the American and European markets. And we actually need to start creating um, uh, bodies of knowledge and data that we can then analyze that is relevant to the African continent. And you guys have already started on that, which is, which is an amazing thing. But then um, looking at the, at, the, at the journey so far since you started um, uh, at uh, Growth Factor, what are the lessons that you have, you have learned? What are the things that you have seen on the ground and said, oh, okay, this is how things work that you would think perhaps other entrepreneurs can benefit from knowing? Okay, so this is probably one of the most popular advice that maybe every entrepreneur has heard before. Probably the most boring and also the most entertaining, the most interesting, the one that you should never ignore is always listen to your customer. Your customer is the one that will, that will give you your, the direction of your business, how even your own tech solution should look. You get this feedback from your customer. So, um, and I'm saying this because I, you know, I come from a, a, a tech training school and they have the best developers ever around the world. We're getting people from Silicon Valley that were training us. And, um, but then when you, when you get into the African market and you're on the ground and you're speaking to an African business, it is, you can build the most beautiful rainbow looking technology. And if it doesn't work for them, it doesn't work. And we learned this in, in our business where we had a simple platform where we onboarding customers, where we're like, just give us your incorporation certificate, scan it, you know, so you don't have to even come to our office, scan it. And then we will do the, the um, all the um, onboarding and verifications. And it would still insist as a customer, they still insist in coming to our office. Why? Because 
they need to know whether they can trust us or not. But we're like, we're the ones giving you money. We should be more worried about trust. And all they tell you is that, and what they tell you is the money that you're giving me, I'm, I'm only, it's small, but where you and I are going, the relationship where you and I are going, I'm going to bring so much business into, into growth factor that I need to know that you are the kind of people I can work with. So relationships work a lot in the, in the, in the African market, a lot, you know, and uh, that, that's what I learned about the Ghanaian market at least. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. I think, um, Whilst it's it's uh, widely uh, advised that people listen, uh, I mean business owners should listen to their clients. I think it it re- it remains a very vital lesson, not only not only to be heard but also to be implemented. You know, actually going out there and finding out what your clients are looking for. That's that's amazing. So, what are some of the challenges that you came across? What are the hurdles that you had to jump over, and things that you came across that you were not prepared for, or perhaps you were prepared for, but you didn't know you were going to meet such things. <laughs> what are some of those challenges? Wow, I, I can think of a couple because being an entrepreneur is not easy. Um, COVID was a big challenge, a very, very big challenge. Um, as, as a lender, it, it really, we actually had to we, we, we witnessed our customers' doors uh, closing, you know, uh, and, but we also witnessed a lot of our customers' doors opening, you know. Um, so as, uh, it, it, this also teaches us resilience because I'm going to give an example of one customer that was in the hospitality industry and COVID completely wiped out um, his business, right? So last year, March, he literally because the hotels were not operating and everything he did not have a business and we had to strategize with him we had to um oh sorry we had to really sit down with him and strategize to say okay how do we you have stock so what he does is he he owns a pig farm so that's not something you get rid of so we're like okay people are now um more at home than they are at the office it means that we're eating, we're cooking more, we're more at home. So how about start your own vlog? You know, how about you start serving the retail sector and we will finance you to start that and let us see how far it goes. And now the, a lot of demand also came from your tabletop sellers, you know, your, um, your online merchants, the small businesses that people that would sell uh, maybe food online because you know because they have to make ends meet. People that are mobile that uh, mobilize uh, that um, mobilize mobile money, right? So we needed to sh- yeah we need to shift to that direction. And even when because that market is also quite it's not an easy market. The micro the the micro businesses market is not easy to finance as much as a more and well-structured small business. You know, one that is incorporated, uh, keeps their book in order, has bank statements and stuff. Now we're lending to the smaller people that actually handle physical cash. And when you give them a loan, they could, you know, they could not pay back in time, but we, you cannot neglect that market because that is where the real data is. That is also where the, the country's GDP is. Right. So that to us, that that turnaround was quite a tough one for us because it also takes a lot of convincing when you're speaking to investors to say, I'm going to take your money and move it to a market that is so risky. 
And they also like, there's COVID, so I'm taking out my cash. So what that meant was we pause on salaries, we pilot the solution, we make sure that it works, we build relationships. We, we literally, the African market and the micro-business market relies so much on relationships that I have to come physically to your house and give you the cash so that you and I can build a relationship. So that solution is not scalable for a fintech, right? But we have to find ways in doing it, yeah. So we were not ready for, we were not even prepared in serving the micro market because we were looking at the more romantic idea of serving a more structured business, you know, like the, the SME market. But um, that, that, that also really proved resilience into exactly what the service actually, are, you know, how strong the product is, yeah. Besides the pandemic, were there any other challenges you faced perhaps in the very beginning when you were starting out saying, okay, this is, this is the business we're going to be building and you think, okay, tomorrow we start and then come tomorrow, boom, here's your best challenge. <laughs> Was there something perhaps of that would, Yes, yes. I mean, there are so many challenges that an entrepreneur can list out, more challenges than victories perhaps. Uh, but uh, one of the challenges I think as an entrepreneur is relationships. You know, the relationships that you have with your, your co-founders, the relationship that you build with your, your stakeholders, with your... Um, you know, with your investors, you know, so because there's, there's also like, um, uh, there's, there's culture shocks, there's different styling in management and stuff like that. So to us that, um, to the, to the team that really required everyone to, um, be a lot more patient and get to, we needed to get to know each other as a team before we can even roll out on the business, you know, because that was, that was an important exercise for us because uh, you can see that we have different beliefs. We have um, different uh, probably goals for the business so that we had to make sure that, let us make sure that there's alignment before we can even start going, you know, uh, forward. I wanted to, to, to ask um, if perhaps putting together a team was one of the challenges that you you might have come across and how you solved that if you did no so because we we went to so my team and i we all went to mast and uh that's where we met so we all went through the program and part of uh, one of the 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 uh, uh perks of the the mast program is that you can actually meet your co-founders there because you know it, we're all being educated in the same eco space so we start a business and if if they like your idea they actually give you funding so that's where we started so we, we, we had a year to, to get to know each other, but even so, it was quite important for us to ensure that we really, this is, this is a marriage we are ready to get into. Have you heard about Big Shop Business Network? It's the place to be for African entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals just like you. Join millions of fellow entrepreneurs today by visiting likeabigshot.com. Big Shop Business Network. Connect. Share. Grow. When you mentioned that when you started your business, you had done uh, market research, talking to different SMEs um, on the ground in Ghana, um, you know, trying to understand the type of challenges that they were facing. How did you, because uh, <laughs> I, always find, I always find this interesting, especially with businesses that do B, B2B. I always find this interesting in that you are a business as well. And then you take up the challenge of another business, right? Uh, how do you put together those two dynamics where you're saying, 
we are going to take your burden in the hope that as time goes on, you will sort this out or your suppliers will sort this out. I don't know, for me, for me, it feels like there's that, there's that, um, uh, I don't know, it's a disconnect a little bit, you know, where even some businesses that have been around longer than you have, you know, I don't know if you're getting what I'm trying to ask here in that. Yeah, the liquidity, how, you know. You know exactly, yeah. How, how, how feasible is that? <laughs> it's, it's, Linkford, it's not easy. And it wasn't easy even at the beginning right. because a business would come to us for an X amount of num uh, X amount of money and we'd be like, yo, if we had that money, we, we wouldn't be <laughs> Right. <laughs> we have had quotes um, and invoices over the value of $5 million, wow. you know, and yeah. that person wants it in 60 days. And where do we get $5 million in 60 <laughs> days? And the project is real. Right. Uh, They're working on a real project and uh, they've got all the, the right backing, but we don't have that amount of money. And it was so challenging for us because when we launched, we needed to, to gain traction. We needed to prove ourselves for you know, the, the bigger lenders like your banks can actually even have a look at us, right? Um, yeah, so we, we, trust me, we, we scraped for the little bit of money that we, we were able to lend out. We had to scrape. We had to really search our pockets and everything and everything that whatever support we could get, we always made sure that we are, uh, we, 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 we use it to the max, you know, and we make it, to, we turn around it so quickly that nobody feels the burn. So we needed to earn our investors' trust and also earn our SME's confidence that if I come to invoice here and I need an, uh, an, uh, uh, an invoice, uh, a factoring facility of this, of an X amount of number, I'll be able to get it and I'll be able to get it fast enough. And the investor or the financier also needs the confidence, also must have the confidence that if I give my money to these people, I know it will come back, you know. Um, but for, it was not an, honestly, it was not an easy, it's not an easy challenge because it's not everyone that trusts their money. Even when you know with our with our loan book of um, over two million dollars, we still get banks that look at us like, you know, right. uh, you guys are taking too much risk, right. and we're like, we are proving to you that this market exists and it needs support. You know, so some 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 the banking industry because it's regulated, it's quite risk averse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big challenge for us. But all we're saying is we understand the SME's problem. So let us best try to help you because we are also in the same shoes as the SME in one right. way or the other, but we're, we're able More to so handle it much are. better. <laughs> exactly. We're just able to handle it better than they are because we have, uh, we have created a support system. We have our financiers, we have our investors, we have ourselves as a team because you know, in the team, we have, uh, you know, people that are skilled technically. We have people that are good in business development and customer relations and pro pro product management. So why don't we handle this problem that we have faced as uh, co-founders and you just bring your burden to us. Let's see how we can best help you. All right. 
Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. You guys should really keep it up. I had that question for a very long time. I wanted to understand how feasible is this? How can you take somebody's bed and make it your own? And then, I don't know, somehow pray that it's all going to work out. It's amazing. <laughs> you guys you guys have really have really taken entrepreneurship to another level. <laughs> it's really not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all. I mean, like I said, entrepreneurship comes with so many challenges, but with a, a collaborative support system, we're actually able to grow. Right. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I believe, I believe there's still further to go because... Um, you know, you know how people are always talking about um, the fourth industrial revolution. To some extent, I feel like for Africa, it's the first industrial revolution, you know, in that it's the actual mm. revolution we are involved in, not led into, yeah. you know. So mm -hmm. I'm always, mm -hmm. I'm always yeah. looking at it like it's, it's not really the fourth for yeah. us, it's the first because here we first, are, yeah. especially, especially looking at the work that is being done um, um, in West and East Africa around there there are so many uh, tech hubs that are bringing out some of the most incredible ideas the world has ever seen. And I was, um, yes. I, I was, I, I attended a conference a few weeks ago and the type of ideas people are talking about and the products they're building, it's really amazing. I would actually say, mm -hmm. yes, this is actually our first revolution because, because of the type yeah. of things we are being involved in this time around. You know, and that's 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 really mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. I think you, you guys have also uh, uh, pushed on your front and using technology to solve problems, which is something that Africa really needs. We have quite a lot of problems on the continent, which technology mm -hmm. can solve. It's just most of the times yeah. people are complaining about the financing part of it, which I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I still I, I still don't believe finances can stop a business from starting i don't know if that has been your experience but i still don't think we should be complaining that much about capital to a point where our governments have to sign deals with other nations so that we can get capital <laughs> i don't think yeah i don't think no. we're at that point no. you understand because no. um i don't remember the guy's name but he's some professor from um, london business school and he was talking mm -hmm. about a customer funded business right? When we have statistics on the continent that say um, there are people that are living below $1.25 a day, my question is always what wow. are they spending on? Be before I even think, wait, that's too low. My question is what are they spending it on? And once we have found what they're spending it on, mm -hmm. we've found a business there. So we can't really say yeah. capital is the issue. But then also yeah. we can't afford to keep having people that are spending under one dollar twenty-five a day. <laughs> it's 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 really burdensome because when you really start looking at it, there's some of the things that are happening on the continent where you think this is not the time we should be having this. If it was if this was sixteen hundred, we would understand. But we can't be having in the, this type of conversation in twenty twenty one where we're talking about people that that are living at such low amounts that you wonder what is it that they bought because a beggar doesn't even cost that uh, uh, that low you, know? mm -hmm. <laughs> you understand somebody's cup of coffee is twelve dollars you understand so <laughs> exactly. exactly it's uh, i feel like um yeah and it's, it's also suppressing you know it it really mm. 
it, it, I don't know, it has oppression entitled to it. Very true. Or, 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 or attached yeah. to it, you know, and it doesn't, it, it, I don't know, it, those conversations and the organizations that um, are supposed to be addressing those kind of conversations, are, I feel like they're still, somehow we're still not addressing the root, the root cause, cause exactly, yeah. of that. We, we, are, we are addressing the problem on the surface, <laughs> you know, but yeah. we're not addressing the cause of the issue and take out the cause so that we are able to empower people. And we're not saying, give us money. Africa does not need to be given money every time. We, we want to be given the empowerment to make our own, to use our own resources, to stop being exploited, right? We want to use our own resources so that we empower our own communities and our own economies before we can, you know, because right now we're in a situation where someone or, or another uh, country is very eager to, of course, finance you in order to help you. But sometimes it is really at the expense of your own resources that you could have used yourself to, you know, to help. Yeah, very true. It's it's um you know it's it's a beautiful thing to some extent to have partners outside the African continent, but then it's also a very it's a double-edged sword, really. You know, on the one side we can use it to defend ourselves, on the other side we're using it to cut ourselves. <laughs> so exactly, you find exactly. <laughs> you find um uh uh Germany last was it last year? Yeah, it was last year actually, early last year. Um, during the the uh, I think it was the Germany Manufacturing Summit, or I think it's one of those events, and they were describing this plan that they have for Africa, right? And this is the fight mm. I have with press because. Press took that story and said, this would be a great opportunity to create a lot of employment. And my question was, yeah, you'll be employed, but where are the profits going? The big bucks, the yeah. money, where is it going? You understand? So I think we, I, I dare say it is only our generation that can solve this. And we're running out of time as well, but it is only our generation that can solve this because we are the people that have come in between um, our parents had this um, liberation high, you know? So they were on that high mm -hmm. and they got us here. But then with that yeah. high, there were so many things they were not seeing. Like where mm -hmm. does the money go after independence? You understand? Yes. They yes. didn't understand those things, but we are the people that, that get to see that. We're like, oh, these were the shortfalling, I mean, uh, the shortfalls of those that came before us. And we cannot pass that burden over. We can't pass that to the next generation. So we are the people that have exactly. that, which is why I'm really excited about the, the work that is being done on the continent where you find so many startups that are coming up with different solutions to as many diverse uh, uh, challenges that we have on the mm -hmm. continent as possible. You know, and yours is actually one of them. Um, I dare say, you know, blowing my own uh, horn here, I dare say I'm also doing my efforts to, to solve that because for me, I think, providing information would be one of those solutions that we need on the market because we need to confront the statistical blanket statementry that is out there yes. you see yes. I, was, yes. I was listening yes. to uh as it, i think it's tommy davis one of the um, venture capitalists from the united states the way he was talking about africa i was like i don't know the africa you're talking about man the, the africa i know mm -hmm. has street names 
you are saying that you exactly. you can't you can't tell someone that let's meet at corner such and such a street and such and such a street i was like no 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 i can tell somebody let's meet in santa at corner such and such a street and such and such a street and we'll be able to meet but he was talking about it as if we don't have such you know and um i found that very disturbing that that's the image that is out there about africa yet we have great entrepreneurs on the continent that are doing major moves you know so anyways it's Definitely. it's it's amazing but <laughs> we have to solve it those are the problems we have to solve yeah and you know you know i was just going to say one of the what you are solving is also the problem that you just did, uh described is what exactly what you are trying to address you know uh through your show it is definitely needed because the um the idea of what a what an african startup looks like uh outside is different to what we're actually experiencing here you know so when we actually have when we're getting this type of exposure it really helps us it, it puts us on the map it really does say these are the uh, problems that the African continent has. And these are the startups that are solving these issues. And the, they are solving it the African way. You know, we, we, we know our own problems and we know how to solve them. If you have the resources to empower us to solve these, then, you know, recognize us and let's just join forces and make, because if we're making Africa stronger, we're making the rest of the world stronger. You know, when you're looking at exactly what is, how much, how much leaves Africa, you know, and goes outside. So we need, we need that, we need to, to, to maintain that, uh, you know, that uh, we need to maintain that momentum so that we get the recognition. So we need more of your shows. We need more of these conversations to continue to say that it is, Africa is not a jungle. You know, Indeed. we do not just Indeed. walk around and, 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 and chill with the lions the whole day and go hunt with them or hunt Indeed. them yeah. or they hunt us when they're angry. No, it doesn't work that way. It did, it did. You know, it's, Africa is a very, we have grown, really. Honestly, we have, uh, we have improved, we have developed. There are some of the things on the continent. Um, actually, there was, I think it was uh, one of the previous episodes where I was talking about how many, uh, companies on the African continent make 1 billion in revenue a year or above, right? Mm. This, mm. this study mm. actually says Very there's, there's yeah. over 400 of them. Mm. And they are, they are performing far better, right? But then wow. I was also saying, wouldn't it be an amazing thing if we got to a point where all those 400 companies on the African continent are African companies? That would be awesome, yes. That would, oh, for me, that's the dream. Because yes. ownership, ownership is key. I've been talking about ownership for, I don't know, I, I think it has become almost the step of food on this show because ownership is key. Um, there, there's been a number of companies that have uh, come out and said, we're an African company, but all of their uh, directors and shareholders, um, European, Asian, Indian, Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. all they did, yeah. all they did was just start a, a company on the African continent, and then they're like, "Oh, this is uh, Africa's <laughs> first mobile phone." And I, but you are in India, my guy. You know, like it, it's not, it's not in Africa. <laughs> you understand? So, <laughs> so it's all those things that we have to solve. Get to a point where it's African companies that are actually leading the African market. Yes. Uh, you know, there yes. was there, I had an economist uh, some time ago on the show, and 
he well, I actually told him that hey, people are always fighting me about comparative advantage. Each time I say Africa must do its own things, right? But then he also clarified that a hey, comparative advantage is dynamic. It cannot be static. So Africa can actually compete in those markets where there are other companies that have been established for over two decades, right? Or, mm. or, or maybe for a century, because there are some companies that have been there that long. And Africa can actually get into that market and compete and be able to dominate in that market, you understand? So anyways, um, mm-hmm. I really look forward to the time where we have as many African companies that are making major big bucks and those profits get to stay on the continent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, we want our own unicorns. You know, we, we want our African unicorns. We, we need, so I think it also, it, it comes also, it boils down to what kind of support are we also getting on the ground? You know, are we supporting each other as Africans? Are our, our, our government supporting us as, you know, our entrepreneurs and as business owners? And to what extent? You know, um, because what, let me just make an, uh, an example here. The kind of support that I'm getting at home, right, molds me, right, versus somebody outside giving me support. That, that, that kind of support is different, you know, versus the one I'm getting from home where I'm molded and my character is being developed and, and, and built. And I'm able to then step out of the house and say, this is the person I am. But if somebody comes from outside and tells me, this is what I'm going to give to you. And this is how I want you to present yourself with it. It becomes a different tone and it becomes a different, we're forming a different culture outside of what we really are. You know, I mean, we're not saying we don't want support. We, we do need support, but we also need to get support from the ground. You know, we don't want to build um, unicorns and only have, um, <laughs> have government change legislatures right, yes. the, next, the morning next morning or something. It, it destroys exactly it right. destroys our businesses it, it destroys our enthusiasm as 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 uh, african business owners as entrepreneurs you know so we need that support we, you need you need a government that is reliable that can actually stand firm with you uh that allows you to um try things on the market and guide you you know, if it doesn't work this way, let us, let there be sandboxes everywhere. True, you know, let us true. try yes, things. Yeah. yeah. Very true. You know, I was, mm-hmm. um, I was saying to, to um, I believe it was one of my friends I was talking to about um, how the, the Chinese uh, government gave enough leeway for entrepreneurs to make as many mm-hmm. mistakes as possible. Exactly. And, Yes. Out of those mistakes came some of the most incredible ideas. You see, even yes. even some of the businesses that the the government funded from the very beginning, your uh, Huawei, mm-hmm. your um, I believe it was Samsung was part of them as well. All of those businesses they've become big right now, world mm-hmm. dominators yeah. right now because their governments were willing yeah. in the beginning to say, "Hey, look, we understand you're starting, but here's something." push if you do push enough and you get something working the pride goes to all of us yes. you understand yes. besides the profit the pride yes. goes to all of us <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean exactly I, I feel like governments should also look at it like that way 
if they help their the small businesses grow, then more support will be coming to the to the governments, you know, because they have shown that there's a lot of effort that goes into they have the right programs that supports, you know, entrepreneurship and business development. So it's a win-win. It, it, you know? <laughs> it really is. It really is. And I wish they could see it that way, you know. Anyways, um yeah. knowing what you know now. If if it were possible, let's say to go back and start all over again, what are some of the things you would you would do differently, knowing what you know now? Okay, mm. okay. Let, let me tell you um, what I'm doing differently now with what I know as an entrepreneur. Okay, as an entrepreneur, um, not in relation to my business, but as an entrepreneur. Um, what I knew then before as an entrepreneur was that you need to be, yes, of course, as an entrepreneur, you need focus, you need dedication, you need to be determined, right? But the one thing that we are not, um, we're not very well advised on or encouraged on is to also spread our wings, right? Now, but spread your wings carefully so that you still know your focus. And uh, bringing this to an example of mine, um, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a, I'm a co-founder of a fintech uh, company in Ghana, but I'm also an, um, a, an employee of a very good company that provides tech communication in the continent. And I've just started my job. Uh, I'm, I'm with Africa's Talking in South Africa and what they do, they provide API technology uh, to, to, um, to businesses basically, to make it easy for businesses to communicate to their customers. And what that, what that taught me is, uh, or what, what is different now about myself than a few years ago was being able to spread my wings because now I'm, I'm spreading my wings in the technology industry where I'm able to know the entire ecosystem in terms of finance, in terms of communications, which is basically what these two industries actually use, you know, to grow each other. You cannot, you cannot give out finance without even sending an SMS or an alert, you know, to your customer. And this is what uh, my employer is actually providing to fintechs mm-hmm. out there. So create a landscape, open, just, you know, stretch your wings and it, it, it creates, it, it really empowers the, the ecosystem and empowers your, uh, uh, an entrepreneur. Your leadership skills also are refined in this. Wow. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. You know, uh, I think the the closest to being told to spread my wings that I was ever told was the story of Icarus. You know, don't fly too close to the sun. Keep your, <laughs> you know, that's as far as the encouragement went for me. You know, but it's a beautiful thing. You know, once you once you get to be able to um, expand and get to explore mm-hmm. uh, the things you are able to do and get to understand the industry that you are into, the depth that you are getting into. It's, it's really an amazing yeah. thing because uh, uh, I constantly say um, it's, it's almost impossible for anyone to know conclusively everything. It's almost mm-hmm. impossible. Yes. Yes. But with, mm-hmm. with um, <laughs> and this, I've had a lot of backlash because of this, but I'm going to say it again <laughs> because I think at one point or another, it's going to happen, right? 
um, human augmentation, right? We're already doing it where instead of shouting your lungs out, trying to communicate with someone in Cape Town, you can pick up your phone and call them, right? Yeah. We've already augmented mm-hmm. humanity that way. But then uh, yes. we get to a point where we are augmenting humanity, not only by external devices, but by incorporating devices into um, our biological bodies. And of course, I've received mm-hmm. a lot of backlash on it because it's very close to the uh, cheap story that is going around these days. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was actually referring to is the ability for, for, for companies to explore the available information exclusively, right? Or conclusively, mm-hmm. let, me, let me rather yeah. use that word, conclusively, to the point mm-hmm. where if there's a pulse in Ghana, that affects your business in South Africa. As a business, you should know that. Yes. You understand? Yes. And we've got, mm-hmm. we're developing technologies that will allow us to get that information. Something happens mm-hmm. in Ghana, you know about it instantly. You get to have that information exactly. at your fingertips, right? And that's human augmentation too, right? In that we're yeah. now able to make proper decisions based on actual data, you see. And I really applaud yeah. Everybody that is working, especially in the tech space, it's amazing. It's really amazing. The work being done in Kenya, the work being done, um, I believe I heard about something that is happening in Somalia right now, and the work being done in uh, Ghana, Rwanda, all those places. There are amazing things that are happening Mm -hmm. around the continent, and it's really beautiful, Mm -hmm. augmenting how we get data. And you're at the forefront of it, you know, and you get to understand the entire market, how it works. And especially in FinTech as well, it's, it's really amazing beautiful beautiful work that you guys are doing and i really really appreciate it but say yeah looks like we've come to (laughs) to the end of what imagine imagine we've come to the end an hour is so short (laughs) we could have booked two hours if i had known you know right you know we should have done we should have done that you know but anyways um any final words maybe any words of encouragement Um, to entrepreneurs out there or anything you would love to say um any words of encouragement is always just start just 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 get in there make mistakes let let us make mistakes because from mistakes there are so many learnings and from learnings there are opportunities and then after the opportunities comes growth and then money you know so let's let's just get into it uh let's learn You know, I really, I, I support growth a lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm very lucky to be working with uh, two sectors that are actually one of the leading sectors in, 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 in the continent, you know. So uh, for me, that, 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 that means a lot. And like you just said, data. Data is key. Data is transformation. Data is growth. And data is what will push Africa forward. So Anybody, if you are an entrepreneur, an employee, a student, whatever you are, whatever you want to do, just get your hands dirty. doesn't matter whether anyone laughs at you or not. Laugh with them when they laugh at you, but the learnings come to you, you know? So, yeah, that's what I have to say. Wow, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. We also encourage um, continuously learning on, on, on this platform, and that's the only way we can yes. move forward, really. Yes. Any book recommendations? Definitely. Um, huh, I haven't been reading a lot lately, so now I'm embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, so 
what I'm doing right now, I'm taking a course on negotiations and all I know is that they put numbers to everything. So I haven't been reading much lately. <laughs> but uh, The Alchemist is always a favorite. Right. The Alchemist is always a favorite because right. it's got so many, so many letters. Yes, yes. All right. So yeah. No, that's amazing. That's yeah, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. No, thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. We'll list all of that um, in the podcast notes, your book recommendations, and some of the lessons you've given us today. It's really been an awesome moment having you, and I really appreciate all the value that you've given us and everything that you're actually doing out there. We really, really appreciate it. It's taking the continent forward and taking the African people forward, which is a very good thing for us. So, um, kudos to you and your team. We really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Linkford. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Be sure to join millions of fellow entrepreneurs at Big Shot Business Network. For this week's show notes, visit likeabigshot.com slash podcast. Until next week, this has been the Big Shot Business Podcast.